0: Once a man said, if I had some extra money, I'd give it to God. But I've just enough to support myself and my family. And the same man said, if I had extra
1: time, I'd give it to God. But every minute of the day is taken up with my job, my family, my clubs, and what have you. Every single minute. And the same man said, If I had a talent, I'd give it to God. But I have no lovely voice. I have no special skill. I've never been able to lead a group. I can't think cleverly or
0: quickly the way I would like to do. And God was touched. And although it was unlike him, God gave that man money time, and a glorious talent. And then he waited, and waited, and waited. Then after a while, he shrugged his shoulders, and
1: he took all those things back from that man. The money, the time, the glorious talent. After a while, the man
0: sighed and said, If I had only some of that money back, I'd give it to God. If I only had some of that time, I'd give it to God. If I could only discover, rediscover that glorious talent, I'd give it to God. And God said, forget it. And the man told some of his friends, you know, I'm not so sure I believe in God anymore. Does that sound familiar? Now I have a problem. I know some of you are thinking, I wonder what he's going to say now. I wonder which one. I have
1: a problem with Christians who consciously decide not to attend church and delight in criticizing others. And truth, some of these people could not cope being in a church of active believers for their role, seeking, to, seeking for others to join them and, and become worshippers of the living Christ. And to be honest, it's probably best they don't come to church. But please stop complaining about this significant person or questioning someone else's com- salvation even. Their salvation is between them and God. And also, I do not want to gauge in, am I a pre-millennial or a post-millennial Do I think the rapture is in our lifetime? Who is or who was in fact the Antichrist? I'm sure we know people like that. I pray they don't settle here. Because this normally placid minister would soon become very outspoken. I want a church where people are keen, willing, wishing to worship, wishing to serve, desiring to. The preacher was trying to get his church more enthusiastic about their church. The preacher said in his sermon, if this church is going to get anywhere, it has to crawl. The people said, let it crawl, Rev, let it crawl. Then he said, after it learns to crawl, it has to learn to walk. And the people said, let it walk, Rev, let it walk. The preacher got excited and said, after this, the church After it's learned to walk, it needs to run. And the people shouted back, let it run, Lord, or Rev, let it run. And then he said, if this church is going to run, it's going to take money. And the people said, let it crawl, Rev. Let it
0: crawl. There's a lot of truth in that story. We all like the idea of running a church, making an impact seeing people come to faith. But when you find out there's a cost, we start finding out how badly we want to run,
1: or not. It's like exercise. I like the idea of being in shape. I like the idea of having a six-pack. But when I find out the cost that comes with it, I
0: quite like my marshmallow tummy.
1: We're talking about giving, and I know that can offend a lot of people. People can just get so uncomfortable about the subject.
0: And many times it is uncomfortable,
1: because it's a subject that hits us all. And that's being faithful to God's commands in all areas of our lives. And this also includes the areas of our finances. In 2 Corinthians that we've just heard, Paul points out the positive side of giving, the positive side of generosity. He shared with the church at Corinth that there is joy that comes with giving. There is joy in generosity. Jesus said in Acts
0: 20.35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The question is this, is that true? In the text
1: we heard, Paul shares with us how we see joy in our giving. The background of this story is interesting. The church at Corinth had made a positive promise to assist the Christians back in Israel. But the Corinthians hadn't followed through on their promise. Why?
0: My guess is like many of us. It's a lot easier to talk the talk than it is actually the walk, the walk. It's easy to make big promises,
1: but when it comes to fulfill those promises, it's easier just to skip over them. So Paul, instead of beating the Corinthian church up for not following up with their giving, he inspires them. You know, I really believe people are more motivated to give when they are inspired
0: and not guilt-trapped into giving.
1: So how did Paul inspire the Corinthians? He shared how the church in Macedonia gave. And he basically told them their motivation for giving was love. And real giving, giving that carries with it power and influence, always involves
0: love. Love is first demonstrated in our giving when we give in spite of our circumstances. Why does it take love to give? Because when it comes
1: down to it, everything hinges on money. The house you live in, the car you drive, the food at your table,
0: all requires money.
1: when you take away from those things that means less money and a lot of people are living with less money these
0: days we had our gas bill come through recently
1: and it was for 700 pounds and then a few days later we had somebody fit a smart meter which hasn't quite worked but still the meter readings were taken and then we got another bill for 200 pounds
0: So when it comes to
1: giving, it's very easy to make excuses as why we can't give. But Paul pointed out at that church in Macedonia
0: that it, their circumstances it didn't
1: interfere with their giving. You might think their circumstances might have not been that bad. But if you look in verse 2, Paul said that they went through a severe testing by affliction. We're not specifically told what that affliction is or was. But We might get a hint of it. When Paul wrote on his journey to Macedonia in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 5, he said, In fact, when we came to Macedonia, we had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way. Conflicts on the outside, fears inside. More than likely, they were being persecuted because of their faith. the Macedonians were also experiencing deep poverty. What does deep poverty poverty mean? It was a word that described a beggar who had absolutely nothing and had no hope of getting anything. That's the condition the Macedonians were in. But here's what's incredible. They didn't use their circumstances, their situation to excuse, to not give.
0: How would that even be possible?
1: Because God gave them the courage, despite their circumstances, to step out in faith and give. You don't see them making any excuses. Yes, the people of Macedonia could have made excuses for not giving but they were willing to give despite their circumstances. Why?
0: When you've seen God move and change lives,
1: it gives you courage to trust him. This church is an example of this. When we first started over 30 years ago, it was a council hall which is now occupied by Aldi Car Park. That building became too small for us and we moved to Stonehenge School. Everything we owned was literally packed in a trailer. When we started building on this land, we didn't have a church full of millionaires, but rather a church full of people who believed God would provide the money for this building. And people gave interest-free loans.
0: Why? Because of love.
1: we'd seen God's faithfulness as we moved from a hall to a school and we saw more on people's lives being touched by the ministry of the church. And when you start seeing God move, you want to see more of it. Love is demonstrated by our giving when we give in spite of circumstances. Love is also demonstrated by our giving when... We give with enthusiasm. The key section I want you to look at is verse 4, where it says, They begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. The church in Macedonia, which was desperately poor, was begging Paul to let them give to the church in Israel. And I'm surprised Paul just didn't kill over and faint.
0: I can't think of too many times when I've had someone begging to give me money for the use of the kingdom. But isn't it incredible when people give enthusiastically, especially when they were in a helpless situation?
1: I want to thank you all here this morning because when the church was scammed back in September, We were scammed of £50,000. People gave
0: sacrificially to help fill that gap.
1: We managed to recover £25,000. We're hopeful to regain more. But you gave so that we could continue God's ministry here. What's interesting, these people who gave were ostracized in their community because of their faith. They don't have that problem.
0: This would have caused them to be in financial difficulty. And yet they were eager to give. You see, that's what Jesus
1: does in a person's life. He takes us from wherever we are. and He gives us hope. He takes people who are broken and enables people who can bring healing into the lives of others.
0: When you're given hope, you're given a cure. The one thing you want to do is share it. You want to spread it around. But then, they didn't have a lot to spread around. They were desperately poor. It doesn't seem that their offering could have made much of a difference. But remember what Jesus did with a boy with two small fish and five loaves of bread.
1: He fed a crowd of fifteen to 20,000 people with it. God is not interested with the size of your gift.
0: He's interested in the heart that you give. In the next chapter, Paul talks about the Corinthians, that God loves a cheerful giver.
1: Remember when Jesus was with his disciples outside the temple and people were coming in and dropping in their offerings into the money box? He only commented on one lady's offering. Her gift was less than a penny. What did Jesus say about her gift? He looked up and saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny calls. I tell you the truth, he said. This poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people are putting gifts out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put all that she
0: had to live on. It's hard. To give with enthusiasm when you're hanging on too tight. Now, the most frustrating
1: sport I've ever played is golf. In so many ways, to me, it's counterintuitive. If you want the ball to go farther, one of the best things you can do is not hold the grip too tightly. You want to grip it lightly. Too much pressure grip puts tension in your arms and prevents you from keeping your wrist cocked in the downswing. Doesn't make sense, does it? Most importantly, a tight grip encourages you to swing with your hands and arms instead of your big muscles in your lower body. The same idea is true with giving. When you hang on too tight, it's hard to let it go. And when you're not willing to let it go, you sap the strength from the potential of any giving. The Macedonian church was able to be a great example because even though they didn't have much, they were willing. They were willing to let it go.
0: So Why were they willing to release what they had? Because of love. The giving as well as ours demonstrates what we love. Jesus said in Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No matter what we have, we always give to those things that we love the most. Let me ask you a question this past Christmas. Who did you buy gifts for? You bought them for people that you loved and cared about.
1: You didn't go and buy presents for those that you don't know that well. You bought gifts for the people that you're closest to. The people you love the most.
0: And when you love God, you give to Him.
1: Love is demonstrated by our giving when we give in spite of circumstances. Love is demonstrated with
0: enthusiasm. And finally, love is demonstrated in our giving when we follow through. Paul says in verse 10, finish what you have begun. And Paul gives his opinion on the matter.
1: He was giving advice on giving. He reminded us that giving must always come from a willing heart. It cannot be coerced or
0: forced. But Paul doesn't simply want them to give, but to desire to give.
1: Desire prepares drive for giving. Paul encouraged them to follow through and turn their desire to contribute into action. Verse 11 says, finish the
0: task well, just as there was an eagerness to desire it. so there may also be a completion for what you have. The Corinthian Christians have been first to agree in giving to the project, but they haven't followed through. Paul wanted them to know the desire was not enough. Willingness and desire
1: are never substitutes for doing. Many people make many noble and good resolutions, but never follow through with them. We all know the old proverb, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Paul's advice was to immediately put into action the desire God had
0: placed on their hearts. Sometimes our willingness to give often needs to be encouraged. God
1: desires us to put our good intentions into concrete actions. If you look at verse 12, it encouraged the Corinthians to give according to their desire and means. For if the eagerness is there, it is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have.
0: God does not expect us to give what we haven't got. God doesn't see the propor- sorry, the portion, but the proportion I'll say that again. God doesn't see the portion, but the proportion. If we could give more but don't, God notes it. If you want to give more and can't, God also notes it. God sees the heart gift, and not the hand gift. When we have given willingly, according. To what we have, we have practiced faith and practiced love.
1: Many of you have heard this story before. But when I was first married, moved into our first house, we couldn't afford carpets. But we got a quote. Two lovely dear ladies, Mrs. Case and Mrs. Cleminger, both widows of retired ministers prayed about giving some money to somebody. Imagine my surprise when a check landed on our doorstep for the amount of 278 pounds and 95p. The exact amount for the quote for the
0: carpet. You know what that as a result
1: has meant? It has become easier for me, for us, to trust God because we can look back at a time in our life
0: and say I know it's a little tight right
1: now but God provided for us in the past and I trust He'll do the same again in the future that makes it easier for me to finish the task when God calls me to give I know I will be able to do it But the only way you discover God's blessings and faithfulness in your giving is when, well, when
0: you give. Most people talk about how much they want to give, how they desire to be supportive. But let me challenge you, just do it. What you'll discover is that giving is worth it.
1: And it's so powerful But it won't matter what circumstances you are in. It's so powerful that you'll be enthusiastic about doing it. And it's so powerful that you'll follow through on your giving.
0: You see, we find out what is important to us by examining what it is we give to. There is no greater you can invest in than in the work of God and his people. Jesus told Peter in Matthew
1: 16, verse 18, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. We need a defense that stands against the world's march towards self and secularism. And that defense is God's church. And it's the greatest mission
0: that you can support. Because you know that God's church is going to stand. Amen.